Romans 8, 14. Let's read our scripture together again. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Let's read another couple of times. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. One more time. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Hallelujah. What a wonderful scripture. What a wonderful truth that we, being sons of God, and that's male sons and female sons, all of us children and maturing ones of God, can expect to be, should be, need to be, continually led, guided, directed by the Holy Spirit of God. The same Spirit that directed Jesus in His life and ministry, you and I have. Not a different Holy Ghost, but the same one. How many believe Jesus was led? Directed by the Holy Ghost from the time he got up in the morning to the time he went to bed in his prayer life, in his ministry. Well, we have that self-same Holy Ghost. Isn't that wonderful? We don't have some substandard, some, some spirit inferior, but the same Holy Ghost. So we can be just as led as Jesus. <laughs> Thank you for that one amen. Is it true? Is it true? The reason I say it like this is because Christians sell themselves so short. You know, they look at Jesus and go, yeah, but now that was Jesus. I mean, he could be like that because he was Jesus. And yet the scripture tells us in Philippians that he laid aside his mighty weight and power and became like other men. He operated with no unfair advantage over us. Why? Because he's given us everything he had. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? So we can be as led as Jesus. Now, it might take some faith to say that, but it wouldn't hurt you at all. It would help you tremendously if while you're getting ready in the morning that you just look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm as led as Jesus. <laughs> now, see, your head will mess with you on that one. Your head will say, you are not. You are not. You're carnal. You've missed it more than you've ever got it. Say, shut up, head. Shut up. Even if you're calling those things that be not as though they were. That's how you get it done. That's how you get there, right? I am led by the Spirit of God. He orders my steps. He directs my paths. I'm His sheep. I know His voice. I hear His voice. I follow Him. I've got an anointing of the Holy One inside me. And I know everything I need to know. I'm led just like Jesus was led. By the same Spirit. Hallelujah. What if you talk like that all the time? Instead of saying, I just don't know what in the world we're going to do. <laughs> Man, I've just messed up so many times. I guess I am just carnal. No, don't, don't, don't talk what you've experienced. Don't talk what you feel. Don't talk what other people might say about you. Talk the Word. Amen? Talk the Word. And you'll find yourself rising up to it. It might not happen overnight, you say, or in a week or two. But you'll just come up, come up, come up. Next thing you know, man, you'll be as led as Jesus. Some people still having a tough time with that, but that's all right. Don't, don't throw it away. You know, pe people misunderstand that. I've had people, you know, take offense and they say, well, you're just trying to be just like Jesus. Yeah, isn't that the idea? <laughs> I mean, who are you trying to be like? <laughs> people do the 
do they get indignant? Oh, who do you think you're trying to be just like Jesus? That is the call. Isn't it? I mean, that is the instruction. First John 2, 6. That's in the New Testament, right? First John 2, 6. He that says he abides in him. Or do you say you're in Christ? He that says he abides in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. Scripture. I mean, there are numerous scriptures. When you say, I'm a Christian, you know what you just got through saying? I'm one like him. <laughs> you see him? You see me? You see him? We're the same. You know what the call is? The call is to be just like Jesus. And Jesus was so much like the Father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The call on your and my life is that if you've seen us, you've seen Jesus. Don't sell yourself short. Don't let the devil lie to you and tell you it's impossible. With, with, with men, it is impossible, but not with God. With God, all things are possible. And if you'll believe to you, it'll be possible. Thank you, Master. Hallelujah. Whoo, glory to God. Where, where do we go from here, man? Let me review a little bit. Let me review a little bit. See if you've been paying attention. Now, there will be a test on this material. Did you know that? I'm not kidding. There will be a test. And whether you pass or not will have severe consequences. No, I'm not going to give you the test. You're going to get it in life. <laughs> and whether you're led or not can mean the difference between losing the money or making money. Messing up royally in a relationship or hitting it exactly right. Being protected or dying in an accident. Did you hear me? I'm not, I'm not just trying to scare you or exaggerate. That's the way it is. The Lord's always trying. I mean, if we'd listen to him all the time, he'd protect us all the time. He'd direct us all the time. But so many times, I don't know at the times of people... I've been privy to hear some situations of people that died in car wrecks or that died in plane crashes or this and that, and they were in the forefront of Christianity, ministers or musicians or singers, and people said, you know, I, how could that happen? I mean, they were so young. They were in their 30s or they were in their 40s or they were so young, and how could that happen? And what they didn't hear is the other side of it. In one case, I mean, uh, uh, the man's wife and his, his young son both had a check about him going on this trip. Don't go, Dad. The little boy was asleep in the back seat. And, and, and his daddy was getting on the plane. And he just sat up and said, Mama, Mama, Daddy's not getting on that plane, is he? Daddy's not getting on that plane. See, little ones, before they've, you know, uh, hardened themselves in things of the world, they're sensitive to God. And, and, and she had had a check. They had talked about it. He had had a check. But just quoted the 91st Psalm and overrode it. Well, a few minutes later, the plane crashed into the side of a hill and he died. And people say, well, I just don't understand that. God just saw fit to take him. No, God didn't take him. He went home to be with the Lord early. But could have still been here probably. If he'd have just been a little more sensitive and paid, paid more attention to what he got. Now, except for the mercy of God, all of us would have already been gone by now. Right? <laughs> except for the mercy of God. But 
the Lord's saying these things to us for a reason. Let's listen. Let's take heed. Let's get sharper. Amen? So what is the first and foremost way that the Lord speaks to us? Anybody remember? The more sure word. Hallelujah. If you want God to talk to you, just open to any page. Start reading in faith. He'll be talking to you. Well, in connection with that, the, the number one way that God speaks to us by His Spirit is what we just got through reading here. The Spirit of God. But verse 16, let's go on down and read. Explains it in detail. Verse 16, what does it say? The Spirit itself, or as a lot of modern translations say, Himself. We said it literally means self-same. So don't get hung up on it. He's not in it. The Spirit Himself, the self-same Spirit, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. He lets us know that. And this didn't say that this is an audible voice. didn't say it's a feeling. It's a witness. This is a sense, not a physical sense, a spiritual sense. It is a perception. It is a knowing that every Christian has, and if they'll, you know, do the things that will cause them to be more sensitive, it'll become more pronounced, and they'll be more aware of it. Now, he didn't say he bears witness with our mind, didn't say he bears witness with our body, didn't say he bears witness with our emotions, but what does he bear witness with? Our spirit. So a key here, the more aware you are of your own spirit, the more aware you'll be of his witness. Like we said, you know, if I'm going to call you on the phone, you don't just wait by the refrigerator. Right? If I'm going to call you through the phone, what do you need to be close to and aware of? The phone, because I'm going to call you through the phone. Well, you don't just need to be aware of your flesh to hear from God. You don't just need to be aware of your mind to be to hear from God. You need to be a conscious and aware of your own human spirit, the inner man, because that's the part of your being that God's going to communicate to you through. So we, we went to some scripture yesterday evening in Acts, and we looked at the phrase, it seemed good. Do you remember that? It seemed good. I want you to turn with me. I didn't quite get through with that. Turn with me to two other scriptures this evening, Luke chapter 2 and then Acts 21. We said this witness of the Spirit technically is not even a voice. It's an impression, it's a, it's a sense, it's a knowing, it's an awareness. And this witness here means a co-witness, a witnessing with. You're not the only one inside this body. There's somebody else inside with you. Amen? And so your spirit can bear witness to something, but then also there's the Holy Ghost witnessing. Did you, you remember... I know you got these scriptures here, but, but just turn over to Romans 9, if you would. I read this to you, but, but it says it very plainly here in the scripture. Romans 9, the first verse. Paul said, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, or as other translations say, with the Holy Ghost. My conscience... The, the voice, if you will, of my spirit is saying, yes, this is right. But then the Holy Ghost is also saying, yes, this is right. There's something additional to your own inner man. 
the Holy Ghost. And as you're looking at something, uh, thinking about, do I take the, do I go left or do I go right? Uh, do I go left or do I go right? Check inside. Don't check your mind. Don't check your body. Don't check your feelings. Don't look for a cold flash, hot flash, goosebumps. None of that. Don't try to be led externally. Focus on the inside. For he's going to lead you from the inside. And as you think about going left, you just got nothing. You think about going right, and you got a little something in here. A little bit of a leaning to go that way. And as you look at it and think about it, there's something else besides you. There's a witness beside that. And the more you look, the stronger you feel about it. You know, the greatest things that have happened in Phyllis in my life have come not through spectacular leadings, but through following this inward witness. I told you, I think it was, maybe it was Sunday night, about how that when the Lord began to deal with us, deal with me about a call on our life, uh, when we still lived in Mississippi, that, uh, man, I, I wanted to hear from God. I cried out to God. I prayed for hours on end. I walked around in the woods at night and called out to God, Lord, talk to me. But me being natural, I want to hear something natural. I, I want him to write it in the sky or I want to see something. I want to feel something. That's the way, the more carnal you are, you want something natural. But he's not, he's not flesh. He's a spirit. And, uh, Eventually, you know, I, I, he, he spoke to me that word. I've already said many things to you in the word, in the book. Find out what I've already said to you in the book. And then if I want to say something else to you, I will. So I began to put myself in the book more and more. Well, we saw an advertisement, Brother Hagin's ministry, for the summer camp meeting. And we both began to have a witness that we should go to that. No vision, no dream, no audible voice. No angel, just a witness. Well, we eventually did. Now, we had to believe God. I mean, we were as broke as you could be, I guess. We had to believe God. But we finally, we didn't have a car. We didn't have money for a room. We didn't have money for meals. But we, we decided to go. You know, you got to, you got to decide to obey God before you can see how. You, you don't wait till you got everything in hand. You, you got to make the decision and commitment, Lord, I'll do it. Then as you walk it out, that's the way faith works. As you walk it out, he'll add it to you. We didn't know if we had enough money to get there. I mean, I'm not telling you to do like this, but this is how we did where we were at. We were, you know, 50 miles down the road going there. And I said, Phyllis, somebody gave me some money. She said, well, somebody gave, he gave me some money too. We started pulling it out, and, and it was enough for gas and a room. Well, we got there, and we were so amazed and shocked, actually, that there were that many people that believed God and talked in tongues in one place. I mean, it was it, it did wonders for us, because we were, you know, kind of standing alone in some ways. And uh, they were giving tours of the school. So we, we've, again, had, a, had an impression. I'm not talking about something strong. I'm not talking about something shaking. Just, just a, a witness, a sense a prompting slight that we ought to go. So we got on the bus. We went out to the, the school and toured through the campus. And as I'm walking through, something else besides me began to witness to me on the inside that we would be there. Strong. I didn't say anything. i never forget it. We got back on this old bus and they're taking us back downtown. We didn't say a word between us. We hadn't said a word for I don't know how long. 
Phyllis finally spoke up. She said, did you ever know that you're supposed to do something and you didn't want to do it? <laughs> I played dumb. I said, what? What are, you, what are you talking about? And she began to ask me. We didn't talk a whole lot about it. And, and on the way home, oh, we had to drive a number of hours to get back home after the meeting. And she brought it up again. I mean, it, it, it smelled real bad downtown. There, it was really hot and the refineries were baking in the sun. And, and uh, you know, we have trees like you do. I mean, we some, some of these places, we had trees at home. And I never thought about going to Broken Arrow. It just never crossed my mind, Oklahoma, and and uh, we'd never been away from our folks, and and it was just. But over the next few weeks, I just kept praying about it and checking my heart, and praying about it and checking my heart, praying about it and checking my heart, and it just got stronger and stronger. Just a sense, just a knowing that we should go. So by faith, we launched out. We looked like the Beverly Hillbillies. I kid you not, we did. Our little belongings tied up on a little pickup truck. She had a little Vega. And we drove out there. Couldn't find a place to live. I mean, finally, by the mercy of God, got a little apartment in what we called Shoot 'em Up Alley. It was in the rough part of town. Motorcycle gang lived in the building on the right. There's a school of metaphysics on the left. Massage parlor at the end of the drive there. Not a very, we came out to go to church one night and, and the police said, get back inside. And they had the road blockaded. I mean, if you got bored, you didn't have to turn the TV on. Just raise the blind, look out the window and see what was going on. But then I had to witness that, that I should go to healing school. Did not, you know, nothing. Didn't see a vision. Didn't hear an angel. Just, just go to healing school. And so I did. I had this sense that I should be faithful. Nobody knew us from anybody. We were just little, you know, green as, green as a post and dumb as a post too. And, uh, so we were just there and, and just stuck and, and stayed. And, and after school, the Lord dealt with me, just stay and help, stay and help, whatever. They said, we need somebody for this. My hand went up. You know, we need somebody to shake hands at the door. I was there. You need somebody to help them fill out the cards. My hand went up. And, Cause the Lord just said, help brother Hagen with healing school. You know, you know, it's amazing how you got a lot of people nowadays who want to know what their job description is. <laughs> well, what, what will I be doing? Did the Lord tell you that if it didn't fit within a job description that you weren't supposed to do it? I've had no experience like that. He just said, help, hook up. Well, then I understand if they need something, anything, then I need to be available to help with that. And you know, to, to make a longer story shorter, uh, I wound up, you know, taking over healing school and running it for years. I wound up teaching in the Bible school and wound up in the ministry. None of those things would have ever happened unless we had begun following that witness. Can you see that? None of that happened because we saw a vision or, or had a dream or saw an angel or heard a voice or had somebody come up to me and say, Yea, thus saith the Lord, you're to do this. In fact, one day, I was in healing school with Brother Hagen every day when he was teaching it, and then eventually he was out, and we began to take some things over there. But he was teaching it every day, and I'd sit over here on the side kind of where uh, the pastors are. And uh, several of my friends that were in school had been getting words from the Lord through other people. They come by and prophesy to them, yea, thus saith the Lord. And I thought, well, man, that's pretty, that's pretty neat. But I hadn't got a word. 
And I mean, months went by. I didn't get a word. Nobody gave me a word. I thought, man, I was sitting there that day and I thought to myself, you know, wonder what's wrong with me. Well, I don't ever get a word. All my friends get a word. And I'll tell you, the Lord's my witness. It was about 10 minutes later. Brother Hagin walked over to where I'm, I'm sitting and he's standing there like this. And he says, you know, some people say, wonder why I never get a word. <laughs> And I just looked straight ahead and thought, yes, people say that, don't they? You know, if you'll just be cool and just look straight ahead, nobody will know. You can repent later in the privacy of your own home. But he said, yes, yeah, some people say, you know, wonder why I never get a word. And he went on to, to say some very valuable things that I'll share with you right now. He said, uh, he said, rejoice and thank God if you're not getting a special word. And he went on to explain. He said there are a couple of reasons why that, you know, the Lord will use other people to, to say something to you especially. One reason can be if you're dull of hearing. <laughs> and the Lord has already tried to talk to you about it several times within your own spirit. And you're not getting it for whatever reason. And he'll have somebody else come along and say the same thing outwardly, physically, because you're more natural and you have to hear it physically. So if you're, if you're hearing on your own and don't need that, rejoice and be glad. He said, secondly, even though you are hearing good, there may be times the Lord will speak to you through somebody about a thing. And one reason he may do that, it's a spectacular way of him speaking to you, is because there's rough sailing ahead. And you're going to need something strong to, to help you stay put and anchor you. And so, if you're not getting a special word, hallelujah. Amen. It means you're, you're hearing from God pretty good for yourself, and there's no particularly rough sailing ahead. So, Glory. So from that moment to this, I have not wished I had a special word. <laughs> I mean, understand it's a great thing that you can hear from God for yourself, internally, inside. And I, I said this earlier, and, and it might, uh, maybe I should explain, expound a little bit. I said, uh, don't, don't look to the outside. We're not to be led externally. We're to be led internally. Beware of this kind of thing. Well, Lord, now, if you want me to do this, then you do this. You open this door for me. Now, if you don't want me to do it, then close the door in my face. Now, I know a lot of people have prayed like that, but you got to watch praying like that because is, is that being led by, in, by the inside? Or are you looking to stuff out here to happen or not happen for you to discern the will of God? Well, Lord, if you want me to do this, then have seven red cars pass by my house within, let's say, the next 30 minutes or so. I'm ready. I'm counting. Our Lord, the next person I see, have them bring it up. Well, again, is this being led by the inside or by things on the outside? The Lord may use something to confirm a thing you've got in your heart, but don't look to the outside. We, we need to be led enough that if the door's not open, we check in our heart. 
I mean, if everything slams in our face and says, no, you can't go here. This is not going to work. We just said, now, hold on, Lord. Am I supposed to go through there? And if you got to witness, you just stand there, bless God, and knock until the thing opens up. Or let's say the door's wide open and people are beckoning you to come in. Do not be led by opportunities. Did you hear me? Don't be led by needs. Don't be led by opportunities. Be led by the Spirit. I mean, if I'd have been led by opportunities, I'd have been a missionary. I'd have been a music leader in 12 different churches. <laughs> you understand what I'm talking about? A number of opportunities came up. But that wasn't the will of the Lord. And yet you see a lot of people, an opportunity comes up and they just think, well, that must be God. It must be God. No, you've got the director on the inside of you. You don't have to look outside. Even though the door is open. Don't just blast through it. Stand there and check your heart. Pray about, Lord, am I, is, is this you? Am I supposed to do this? And even though it's a, it might seem like a great opportunity, if you don't have the witness, or especially if you get a check about it, then you don't do that thing. Even though to others it might seem like a great opportunity. The Lord doesn't see like man sees. Does he? Hallelujah. Do you have your scriptures yet? Gave you plenty of time to find them. Hallelujah. I tell you, for time's sake, let's, let's forego the Luke one and just go straight to the uh, Acts passage. Acts 21. Acts 21. I tell you, for, to, to get a little background on this, back up to the 20th chapter. The Apostle Paul is going through the <clears throat> known world at that time, preaching the gospel. People has never heard it before. Uh, and there's a lot, I mean, everywhere he goes, he's having either riot or revival. <laughs> they referred to he, him and his team as those that have turned the world upside down. Because when he came to town, stuff happened. And he had both. He had revival and he had riot. He got stoned. He got run out of town. And in verse uh, 22, Acts 20, 22, he said, Now behold, I go bound in the Spirit. Did you hear that phrase? What does that mean? Does that mean the Holy Ghost is making me do this? Huh? No, it does not. What does it mean? It means... Let me, I'd say it like this, I've got to go. I've got, I just have this sense in my spirit, I'm compelled, it's strong. Could you disobey if you wanted to? Yeah, you never lose your will. But things can be stronger than at other times. He says, I'm bound in the spirit. I'd say it like this, I just, I've got to do it. A person that's co committed to serving God, they're going to do it. But the Holy Ghost is never going to make you do a thing. Never going to force you. That's the way demons are. Demons are forcers, coercers. They try to control people and make them do things. Not the Holy Ghost. He's a gentleman. You have to yield to Him. He'll lead you. He'll direct you. He'll even prompt you strongly. But he it's always up to you. You can say no. But, it, but this is something very strong. He said, in other words, I've got to go to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Save, 
except that the Holy Ghost witnesses. Everybody say witnesses. He witnesses in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide or are waiting for me. Did you get this? Now, he's gotten, he's gotten two major things from the Holy Ghost. One, he's got this compelling, this strong thing in his spirit that I gotta go to Jerusalem. I got to be there. Now, if you walk with God very much, you'll have these kind of things. You'll just know, I got to be at that meeting. I've got to go see so-and-so. You won't know why. You won't know the details, but, but I've got to do this or that. And if you're wise, you'll follow that. And he said, I don't know exactly what's going to go on when I get there, but I, I have had this. Every city I've been to, the Holy Ghost has been witnessing that bonds and afflictions are waiting on me. Wow. That's not a good report, is it? <laughs> Trouble, affliction, chains are waiting on me when I get there. Verse 24, though, get this. Verse 24. What did it say? But none of these things move me. Man, I like that. I have used that a number of times in my own life. You get a several negative reports or something that's trying to shake you. There's been times I just sat down in the floor in my house and said, None of these things move me. I refuse to be moved by any of this. I'm going to believe God and stand my ground. He said, none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear to myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I've received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Hallelujah. And he went on to say, I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. How did he know that? By the Holy Ghost. By the inward witness, he had a knowing. He just knew it. We're supposed to operate by this knowing all the time. And I'm telling you, the closer you walk with God, the stronger it is. In my own life, uh, there's been times it's been stronger than others. And it's so wonderful when it's so strong. You just wake up in the morning and you just know what to do. Hallelujah, it's wonderful. It eliminates and pushes out the confusion and the wavering and the indecisiveness and all of that junk. It's wonderful to know, isn't it? It's wonderful. And this is not just for preachers. This is for every believer, every child of God can have it just as strong as you're willing to walk close to God. That's how strong you can have it. Now, there have been different theologians and commentators that have, that have said that Paul missed God by going to Jerusalem. If you read the rest of the, the story here, he did go, and he did get in trouble. There was an uproar in the temple. Do you remember that? And they finally, they incarcerated him, and, and they put him in jail, and he, he was about beat to death, and, and then was incarcerated, and he stayed in prisons, and from one place to another, for years after this. And I, don't you imagine that he thought about it any number of times. But here's the question, did he miss God by going there? Or was it part of the plan? Do you remember when he got saved? Do you remember what the Lord told Ananias, who was the one who was to go lay hands on him and minister to him? He said, he's a chosen vessel of mine. Isn't that right? 
and I'm going to show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake, and he's going to bear my name and witness before kings. How did he do it? Was, was there another way he would have done it? This was the, this was the plan. It wasn't always comfortable for him, but it was the plan. You know, we need to understand, we are redeemed from suffering sickness and disease. We're redeemed from poverty. We're redeemed from the curse of the law. But we're not redeemed from suffering for the Lord. Did you get that? We, we live in a society that's so used to being comfortable and places such a premium on comfort that you have to watch it. People, I mean, there, there's folk won't even come across the street for a good meeting. I mean, they... Uh, just, just comfort is too much of a thing in their life. Paul was not comfortable doing this. And yet he was doing the will of God. The Lord may tell you to do some things that's going to cause you some discomfort. Oh, but the, the, the tribulation and, and the problem that you might endure, it's not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. Amen. We need to be willing, if need be, to suffer some discomfort. Amen. To do the work of God and the will of God. What did he say? Verse 24. He said, I, he said, you know, the spirit's so strong in me. I got to go. And he keeps witnessing there's going to be bonds and afflictions. But, everybody say but. But, none of these things are moving me. I don't even count my life dear to myself so that I can finish my course. None of us going to live forever down here. Let's just get it in our heart and minds. We're going to finish our course. Being comfortable and seeing how you know wealthy we can be or, or how long we can live is not the main thing. It's doing the plan, doing the will of God. He said, my, that's, I don't even count my life dear to myself. None of these things move me. I just want to finish my course. Now look in the 21st chapter. 21st chapter. It came to pass, verse 1, that after they were gotten from them, they launched, they came to Coos, to Rhodes, to Patera. They found a ship uh, over to Phoenicia. They went aboard and set forth. When they discovered Cyprus, they left it on the left hand, sailed to Syria, landed at Tyre. For there the ship was to unlade her burden. Verse 4, and finding disciples. Now, who is this? Disciples. We might just say Christians. Didn't say prophets or apostles or preachers, just disciples, just Christians. Finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. Now, did you get this? Now, listen to this. Uh, the, the Amplified translation says, prompted by the Spirit. And the Williams, I like this, the Williams translation says, because of impressions made by the Spirit. Now, these are not prophets. Now, let, let's, uh, let's skip down a little bit further to verse 10. As we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. Now, this is not just a disciple, this is what? A prophet. And when he was coming to us, he took Paul's girdle, and he bound his own hands and feet, and he said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost. Now, this is stronger than an impression. Did you get this? Thus saith the Holy Ghost. So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owns this girdle, and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. 
And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered and said, What mean ye to weep and break my heart? I'm ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when we would not, when he would not be persuaded, we ceased and we said, What? The will of the Lord be done. Something very important to differentiate here. Did the man of God, did the prophet tell him, don't go? Hmm? Look at it again carefully. Now, there's, there's a reason why I said it like that. I'm not trying to catch you. Did he or did he not tell him, don't go? Let's read it carefully. When he was come, the prophet, Agabus, he took Paul's girdle and he tied up his own hands and feet. And he said, thus saith the Holy Ghost. So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owns this girdle and will deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. End of statement. Did he tell him don't go? He did not tell him don't go. He told him what's going to happen when he gets there. Right? He's already been told years before that he's going to suffer some things for the Lord's name and he's going to be delivered in front of the Gentiles. He's going to bear the Lord's name in front of kings. He didn't tell him don't go. And so when they heard that, they all jumped on it and said, don't go, Paul. Well, if that's going to happen, don't go. He said, wait up now. I'm ready to go. If need be, I'm ready to die to do the work of the Lord. And finally, they considered and said, well, the Lord's will be done. So they weren't convinced that it wasn't God's will for him to go. Can you see that? Because they said, well, the will of the Lord be done. Well, then why did these other, these disciples in verse 4, why did they say to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem? Did they tell him don't go? Yeah. In so many words, they said don't go. Well, see, every Christian has the Holy Ghost. And if you'll stay prayed up and walking with God, you'll sense things. You'll pick up things. And when Paul got there and they started ministering and they started fellowshipping, they picked this up in their spirit through impressions of the Spirit. Through the Spirit, they picked this up and, and that, that things were going to happen, that he was going to get in trouble and he was going to get put in jail, in bonds, when he got to Jerusalem. Now here, get this. So they put their own interpretation on it, that he should not go. No, Paul didn't miss God by going to Jerusalem. He didn't miss God by, you know, the, I mean, the book of Acts follows him. You know, all the trips, uh, the shipwreck, the, the being, the, the, the miracles on the island, him appearing before the kings, Agrippa, and the, all these things were not an accident. This was not Paul missing God. You know, not long after he was thrown in jail, the Lord Jesus appeared to him. And he did not say, Paul, Paul. I tried to tell you. I told, if I told you once, I told you a dozen times. But no, you came right on in here. He did not say that. He strengthened him. He comforted him. He said, you know, be strong. You've got to bear my name. Hallelujah. Just like you've testified here, you've got to do it over here. He, he's telling him, you're right where you're supposed to be. You're right on track. You're right on time. Now, I said all that to say this. See, somebody like Agabus, who's got a lot of experience in the Spirit, a prophet, he didn't put his own interpretation on that. He just said what the Holy Ghost said and just left it at that. These disciples, they pick something up, they jump to the conclusion, they put their own words
in our own life and in, in dealing with ministry, we need to be particular and sensitive about this. Don't put your interpretation on what the Lord says. Just leave it at that. Oh, you got to watch this. Has anybody ever made any mistakes in this area? Besides me? I'm telling, oh, it's easy to do. You get to praying about something and you get something in your heart and you'll assume it means this. You'll assume this is what's going to happen and you're just filling in the blanks. He didn't say that. He just said this. So we need to, and that's where, you know, a lot of damage has been done with people prophesying to each other because maybe they did pick something up, but they put their own interpretation on it and added to it and really wound up saying something the Lord didn't say. Part of it was right. Their interpretation was wrong. Do you see why we all need to go by the word and the witness? Amen. And judge prophecies and judge what other people say. But see, Paul was strong enough in God and knew God well enough and knew how to discern these things well enough. He didn't let them move him. And even when the prophet said that and all the people started pulling on him and said, Oh, please, Paul, don't go, don't go. He said, What are you doing this to me for? You're just trying to make it harder on me. I'm ready to go. I'm going to do the will of God. Hallelujah. And he did. I said, and he did. And it's recorded for us. Can you say praise the Lord? Hallelujah. Thank God. Said out loud, I will not add to. I will not take from. What he says to me. I'll just say it the way he says it. That means a lot of times you'll have to say, if you're talking to somebody, and you'll say, I just got a witness about this. And they'll say, well, do you think that means this and that? And you'll have to say, I don't know. Everybody try that phrase out one time. I don't know. Do you think that that means that the Lord's going to do this and he's going to do that? Maybe that's what that means. And you'll have to look at him and go, no, 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 I didn't say that. Because he didn't say that to me. That's not all I got was this. Well, what does that mean? And you'll have to look at him and go, I don't know. Isn't that what Paul said? He said, I don't know what's going to happen when I get there. All I know is the Holy Ghost said this. And if the great apostle Paul had to talk like that, then certainly we ought to talk like that. Leave room for the Lord to reveal other things to us. Hallelujah. You know, faith is never far from any of this. You'll have to be obeying, not knowing why you're doing a thing, not knowing the results of it, not knowing the connection of it. One of the areas that we need to be sensitive in to the Holy Ghost is in the area of giving. Amen. And a big part of uh, our prosperity depends on it. I know uh, recently the Lord uh, had been saying to me, you're, a lot of your future prosperity is connected with you honoring your elders. That's both natural and spiritual. So we bumped up what we're doing for my folks and Phyllis's folks and for my spiritual elders. Amen. So the Lord knows the future. He knows what's coming up. And if you're smart, he'll deal with you, so this now. And you might go, why? Well, just don't ask why, just just obey. Because he knows you're going to need a harvest in that area. You don't even know what's coming up. And not only that, but it can be a witness. I mean, there are times that Phyllis has just pulled off jewelry and gave it to people behind the counters at airplane uh, ticket terminals. and Something that can seem so small to you at the time. But you don't know what the Lord's got in mind. 
You don't want to put your own interpretation that it doesn't mean anything. It may mean a lot. I mean, we're talking about people going to church now over over earrings or a little gift. I mean, I mean that wasn't the Savior, but it was something that got them started thinking in a different vein that not everybody's mean, not everybody's selfish, not everybody's pushy. There is some love in the world. It must come from God. And then people want to get to the source of that love that they see in you and me. Amen? Amen. Turn to one scripture, and I'll close with this, I think, in Philippians. The fourth chapter, just talking about how important it is that we um, we obey the leadings that the Lord gives us, not putting our own interpretation on it, not not making any assumptions, just obeying. We had no idea when we just obeyed that prompting to go to camp meeting that God had a plan for me to teach at Ramah. You know, I'd have never imagined it. Somebody asked me one time, I said, how did you believe to get to be a Rhema teacher? I said, I didn't. I didn't. I just, I just endeavored to obey the leadings. I mean, you pastors, you've heard their testimony about how they just felt led to, to, to go to school and, and, and to get out of the, the, the school system and to come back and start to work. I mean, can you see it happens uh, in steps? The Bible says in Romans 4 that we, we follow in the steps of our father Abraham. Didn't say flying bounds and leaps. Just what? Steps. And don't minimize and don't ill esteem and despise those, those small things. Follow them out. Follow them out. In a, a little bit larger thing here in Philippians 4, you know this passage well, but, but let me go over something here with you. In Philippians 4, verse 14, He says, notwithstanding, you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. Now, these these people sent to Paul offerings repeatedly. Wonder why they did that. Do you suppose they were led to do it? They, They had an impression, a leading to do it. Yeah, and they followed through on it. They did it. Do you understand there's a lot of people have leadings, but not nearly so many of them follow through? Obey. Many are called. Few are chosen. Why? Because few respond. Few obey. Have you ever heard people say after the fact, you know, I had something about that. You ever heard anybody say, well, you know, I had something about that too. Well, did you do anything? Well, no. Well, you know, that does absolutely no good. That you had, all it does is tell off on you. That you didn't obey. And all of us have missed it like this. But let's let's quit that. Let, let, let's cut this out. That when we have something, we act on it. When you have something, yeah, check, make sure it's God. You know, some things you can you can wait on and check again. But it gets to a point where you, you, if you know it's it's right, do it. Move on it. Do it. He said, you did well that you did communicate with my affliction. You, now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, get this, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Is he saying you're the only church that sent to me? Wow. Is that the only church he raised up? No. What about all these other churches? 
that we have these letters to and all the I mean, what about them? Do you suppose that God never dealt with them to send something? He said, I want you to know you were the only ones. No church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again to my necessity. You obeyed God, and he needed it at the time. Now, that's really something that a man of Paul's caliber, a man who had done so much, been the father of so many churches, the apostle of so many works, and now he's in jail. I mean, he needs everything. Anything that he gets, somebody's going to have to bring to him. I mean, you, you see in some of his letters, he says, you know, would you bring that coat? It gets cold and damp in those jail cells. Would you bring me something to write on? Bring me some of my parchments. He needed everything. And, and, he, and he's there being a witness for God. Because once in a while he gets out and gets to testify to kings. God's using it. But he said, you're the only ones that sent to me. I learned a valuable lesson about this some years ago. Phyllis and I were trying to take a day or two of vacation, and a pastor friend of mine called from across the country, and he said, uh, he said, Keith, he said, stand with me on this certain thing. He needed some things financially, personally. He said, stand with me on this. He said, I'm not asking you for anything, and I knew he wasn't. He said, but I, I, I didn't know who else I could talk to right now that about this. Just believe with me, because I needed this like last week. I said, yeah, okay. So we hung, he hung up, and I checked my heart. I did what? Check my heart. How's God going to lead me? He's going to bear witness with my spirit. I check my heart. Lord, do you want me to do that? You want me to do part of that or something? You know, sometimes people say, well, the Lord never says anything to me. Do you ask? Do you look? I mean, one reason the Lord doesn't say some things to some people, because he knows it wouldn't do any good. They wouldn't do it anyway. And then they'd just be responsible for it. But but if you're willing and you look and you check, you'll get more and more. So I checked my heart. Lord, do you want me to do something about that? And I got clearly, I don't mean I heard a voice, but I knew distinctly inside me. He said, no, I'm already, I've already been working with somebody else, dealing with somebody else. They're supposed to do it. I said, okay. I don't mean I heard a voice. I just knew. And, and the more you give place to this, the more distinct this will be to you. I thought, okay. So I just thank God for the Lord dealing with that person. Apparently, they had the money. He knew what to do. And it was quite a bit of money that they needed. Well, it was only a day or so. After that, I got up. And uh, we were getting around. We were at the lake. We are going to play a little bit. How many know we need to hear from God at the lake? On vacation? In the car? When you're spo- I mean, Phyllis and I have been out in the boat before. We like the water. We were out in the boat. Driving around, just having fun. And Phyllis says, man, I just feel like we need to pray for some, such such ministers right now. So we just throttled back and stopped in the water and prayed for them. You, you don't leave God on the bank. You don't leave God at home or the Holy Ghost at home when you go on vacation, right? You better not. You'll get in trouble. But I got up that next morning. We were, we were about to do something to play. And, uh, and, and, and the Spirit of God prompted me. Uh, send him that money, wire him that money this morning. Well, man, it was about all I had. I mean, we're talking about scores of thousands of dollars. It was about all I had in that account. And he says, wire it to him right now. I thought, Lord, I thought you said I wasn't the one. 
Did I get mixed up on this somewhere or another? Did I not? I mean, if you want me to do it, you know I want to obey you. But did I miss you here somewhere? He said, no, I have been dealing with them. And I've been dealing with them and dealing with them. But they're not obeying. And he needs it now. And I need somebody I can depend on. Get it to him now. And I'll bless you. They'll miss the blessing. I'll bless you. But I need it done now. So we did. But I learned a lesson. I mean, it, I didn't have much money in my account that day, but I was blessed. It, it ministered to me that I felt like the Lord could count on me. If he needed something done, that I would obey him in that thing. And it also was very plain and clear to me, so many people do not obey. And so God winds up using the same people over and over again, and they wind up getting other people's blessings. Did you hear this now? And uh, did you see this? That Paul said, you were the only one. I mean, I can't believe that God didn't deal with any of these other churches to help out their father in the faith when he was in straits and in need in jail. But they were the only one that obeyed. And I'm saying that just to say to you, when God deals with you to do something, don't say, well, you know, there's probably a bunch of other people doing that too. What's that got to do with it? He dealt with you. And even if he did deal with them, you don't know, none of them may obey. You may be the only one that obeys out of that crowd. It is so important that we don't treat these things as trivial. Even, you know, what might seem small to us, like, you know, Phyllis didn't make a big deal out of pulling those earrings off and giving them to that lady or, or sending that lady a little uh, present. These small things to us can be big things to God. And you can be the only one, you may be the only one that obeys in that situation. It can be much more critical, much more important than what you thought for Hallelujah. Won't you stand up on your feet? Let me pray over you. Hallelujah. I believe I'm talking to people that are listening. I believe that this is not falling on deaf ears. I believe that we got a group of people here that are growing. I mean, as we speak, you're growing in sensitivity to the Holy Ghost. And God's going to have a bunch, a spirit-led bunch. Amen. That he can tap any one of you on the shoulder in the morning, in the middle of the day at work, in the middle of the night. And he can put something on your heart and you will do it. Bless God, you'll do it. You won't kick it. You won't fight it. You'll do it. You'll be led. Say it out loud. We are spirit-led. We're a spirit-led church. I have a spirit-led home. I'm led by the Holy Ghost. Day and night. I follow Him. I yield to Him. I pay attention to the witness of the Spirit. I yield and obey by the grace of God. Hallelujah. Just lift up your hands. Begin to thank Him. If you've missed it in some areas, just repent. Ask the Lord to forgive you. He'll do it. He'll wash it away and He'll give you another opportunity. He'll give you opportunities and some things to make that thing right. Some things the Lord still put, yeah, there's some people in here right now. God's been dealing with you to do certain things. He's been dealing with you to do it for months, some longer.
And it's not too late. It's still fine. It would have been better if you'd have done it earlier, but it'll still be good if you'll do it now. It's not too late. You need to go ahead and do that. You need to call that person or you need to do that for the church. You need to do that thing that the Lord's been dealing with you and putting on your heart. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. It'll be a breakthrough. It'll be an answer to some other things in your life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just just praise Him a little bit. Just put your hands up. Praise Him a little bit. Thank Him for leading you right now. You can get direction right now. Just focus on Him. Father, we praise You. We bless You. We give You honor. We give You thanks. Our eyes are on You. We're looking to You. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank You, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.